By his words, all became. He set the galaxies into motion, aligning everything according to his will. The great conductor, orchestrating the heavens, always advancing, ever moving through time and space. 2,000 years ago, he directed the stars and earth together to point to the center of his purpose. A child delivered in Bethlehem, the God of the universe wrapped into the tenderness of a baby. To us, a child is born, a son is given. O come, the long expected. was the long expected savior he was the long expected solution to our sin problem to our darkness problem jesus was the long expected and this day that we celebrate together that we have uh, a service that is a little bit different than what we normally have and this time that that we we get up a little bit um and we sing songs a little bit differently we decorate things it was such a momentous birth i wore a tie because it was a momentous day. This, this day that we celebrate is literally, it was such an incredible birth that it, it split time in two. It, we stopped calculating time the way we did based upon this day because of this birth. This birth that was so absolutely pivotal to our import, and important to our, our, our entire being. It was the most important birth ever to exist in the, unit, in the universe. And it came to the most unlikeliest of places. It came to Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem, by most standards, uh, is not a very big city. In, in fact, to this day, it's not a massive city. But it certainly wasn't back then. Over 2,000 years ago, this little couple walked into a town that most historians and theologians believe was about 300 people. And, and it makes you wonder, why would God choose that place of all places to come? Why would he come to what seems to be a, a small and insignificant city like Bethlehem? I think one of the reasons why that was the case was because God was showing us something. The, the word Bethlehem is a Hebrew word. Beth means house. Bethlehem means the house of bread. And it was in this little town where the bread of life, Christ our Savior, was born. A seemingly small and insignificant little city just in the middle of nowhere. I think God was showing us that, that it's in the small and insignificant that, that he can do the miraculous. Because you may have felt like that before, like, like it is um, a, an area of your life. There's some area of your, of your world where you feel small and insignificant. And you should know that if you feel that way, that the Savior can come out of that place. The, they, the wise men, when they came to visit Jesus, they knew to go to Bethlehem because Bethlehem was prophesied by, by some prophets in, in the book of Malachi. Malachi 5.2 said that the, the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. And so they knew to come there. And they knew that, that Bethlehem may not be famous for anything in and of itself, but it became famous because what came out of that city. And you should know this, if there's a place where you feel small and insignificant, God can do something miraculous out of that place. And he didn't just come to an unlikely place. 
he also came to an unlikely couple, Mary and Joseph. Mary was a teenage girl. Joseph was a carpenter. And they seemingly seemed ordinary as well. According to scripture, Caesar decided to take a census at that time. And so Joseph and Mary had to come back to their ancestral home, Joseph's ancestral home of Bethlehem. And that's where they ended up. And they were just ordinary people. There was nothing extraordinary about them except they're famous now because of what God has done through them. God loves to use the small and insignificant things to do miraculous things. And you should hear this. Don't ever let the enemy tell you that you can't be used by God because you feel small or insignificant. Because God loves to do those things, those miraculous things out of those places. And you think about how that this young couple had to travel and um, the, the trip there from Nazareth to Bethlehem was roughly about 80 miles in, in Mary's third trimester, which must have been challenging. Now, now listen, I know as pregnant ladies, you guys go through a lot, but, but can I just say that, that I've never, I'm not going to ever claim that I know what a pregnant lady goes through, but I do know what it's like to be the husband of a pregnant lady. And, and, and we go through some stuff too, okay? Can we just be honest about that? Like I was thinking about that 80-mile trip and what that must have been like because you know that at some point Joseph might have made a wrong turn. You know, did he hear about it from Mary? Or when they get to the inn and he knocks on the door and there's no room for, the, for them in the inn, I just wonder if Mary didn't look at him and say, well, great, the son of God's gonna be born in a barn because somebody thought reservations weren't important. Right? Like we, all I'm saying is that the nativity scene that we look at every year that we sit on our shelf and we, we admire these little characters, I'm thinking there's more to that story than we recognize. It doesn't tell us the full picture. And, and they were just ordinary people coming to an, an ordinary place and they had ordinary problems, right? Because people involved. And when you have ordinary people in an ordinary place, dealing with ordinary problems, then you think, how can God possibly do something extraordinary out of that? But the truth is, the greatest part of this entire story is that in all of that, there was a promise. A promise that was given to God's people 700 years before Jesus ever was born through the prophet Isaiah. And in his words, in the book of Isaiah, this promise came to us. It said, for to unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All of this came about to fulfill the promise, the plan that God had all along. From the moment that we stepped out of his provision, stepped out of his blessing, stepped out of his protection, stepped out of his covering, and we said, you know what, God, I've got a better plan. My plan is better. From that moment, God started a plan. Actually, before that moment, Jesus was the plan of God before the foundation of the earth. God knew we would find ourselves in a position like this, that we would need a savior. And that's exactly what Jesus was. When Jesus came into this world, he brought with him peace. He's called the prince of peace. And that's exactly what he delivered to us was peace. Now, peace is not the absence of problems. You recognize that, right? Peace is not the absence of problems. In fact, it's just a confidence. It's a feeling of confidence, surety, that I know that even though I'm going through problems, God is with us, and he'll take care of me, and no matter what happens, that God will be there. 
Peace in and of itself is not the absence of problems. Peace is a presence of God. It it reminds me of darkness. As I look around this room, we've intentionally kept it dark tonight for a reason because we're going to have a candlelight in just a moment and you guys just pray for me and Deborah as we deal with our kids. (laughs) They're they're safety videos. But but as I look around this room and I, I see this darkness, I think, you know, the darkness isn't anything in and of itself. It's kind of like how peace isn't, isn't anything except the absence of, of, of the presence of God. Darkness isn't anything except the, the absence of the presence of light, right? Darkness in and of itself is just a, 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 a thing that exists because something else doesn't exist there. And it, the problem with darkness is it's all around us. Darkness from that moment in the Garden of Eden has been trying to surround and crush us. And darkness is a very real problem that we face today. Darkness was was so appealing to mankind that we started running after it. That we didn't even know what we were doing was destroying us and causing us pain, but God did. In fact, Jesus said it this way in the book of John. It says that this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now, all throughout Scripture, darkness symbolizes the absence of the presence of God. It's distrust, it's distress, it's mourning, it's sin, it's death. And today, you see darkness everywhere. It's all around us. We're inundated with it. Darkness, you cannot turn on your TV without seeing the darkness. It's on the news. It's, it's war. It's terrorism. It's, it's abuse. It's violence. It's greed. It's literally all around us. It's not just in, in the news. It's in every form of media you look on. Look on your phone. Look, look all around on, on, on television shows, on, on Netflix, on Hulu. It's everywhere. It's every show that you see. It's, it's constantly, it's filth and it's darkness and it's sin and it's dr- doing its best to destroy destroy us. And the truth is, you don't even have to be a Christian. You don't have to come to a Christian church to recognize there's darkness all around us. And that darkness is this massive problem that we're facing. Every nationality, every race, every religion recognizes that we have a problem with darkness. If you go to different parts of the world, they'll tell you their solutions for darkness, though. If you were to go in India today and, and, and you were to talk to people who believe in the Hindu faith, they would tell you, you know what, the the way that you would combat darkness is you just need to live a little bit better life. Because if you live a a good enough life, then maybe you'll come back as something better. And in that life, it'll get better. And little by little, that is how we'll combat the darkness. If you were to go to the Middle East, people will tell you, you know what, the, the solution for the darkness is just convert to Islam. Even if by force, if necessary, and if you won't be converted, we'll kill you. And if we'll do that, then... Allah will come and he'll rescue us and that'll be their answer to the darkness. If you go into different parts of Asia, they will tell you that what you need to do is just find the the little bit of good in every evil. You need to try and do less bad and more good and if you'll do that, it's the wisdom that will save you from the darkness. Even in this overly and and increasingly secularized world in, in, in America, what the solution is now is that, well, well, you have your God and let them have their God and, and, and it'll be tolerance that saves us from the darkness. Everyone comes up with a solution for the darkness. We're all looking around because we recognize it is that darkness that is trying to surround us and, and, and crush us and invade every aspect of our life. But the problem with every one of those solutions is they just won't work. There's only one solution. 
And it came through the words of Jesus when he said this. He said, of himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, so many times I think what we try and do is we try to combat the darkness with more darkness. We just say, you know what? I have this this God-sized hole inside of me, and I don't want to feel this anymore. And so we fill it with substances and with affirmation from other people. And we try to fill it with all of these different things. And what we find is that there's this giant gaping hole that those things will only fit for a little bit of time, but they won't last. We'll either do that or we try to ignore the darkness. And we think, if I just close my eyes to the darkness, then it will go away. The problem is, when I close my eyes to it, it's still there. In fact, it just gets darker. The more and more I try and hide from it, the darkness seems to surround me even more and more. See, the truth is, I, I know what it like, it's like to be in the darkness. I know what it's, it's like to feel how scary that can be. And if you want your way out of darkness and out of depression and out of guilt and out of addiction and out of fear and out of sickness, there is only one solution. There's only one solution that solves the darkness, and that is light. And according to Jesus, he is the light. He's the only way out. That's what Jesus said of himself. He said this in John 12, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. See, the truth is, is you don't need a moderate dose of religion. I'm so glad that you're here tonight. I'm so glad that you've come to celebrate Jesus. But just coming to a church is not really a solution any more than I can expect to become a car by sitting in my garage. Right? It just, it, you, you don't need a moderate dose of religion. You need an infusion of the light. You've got to get to a place where, where, where you get so close to the light that it actually changes and transforms you. And it's so easy for us to just stay in the darkness if we're honest. It's easier to walk in negativity. It's easier to, to, to stay in anxiety and worry and, and sin and, and all the negative. It's so easy to just look at Jesus as he's a light. And some, but sometimes I can get close to him as a light. Like I'm just this little dark speck on this planet. And, and, and Jesus is something that I should get close to every now and again to get the light out of my life. But, but this is not what Jesus said that you should do. He said that's not a solution that will work for you. Look what he said. He said, you are the light of the world. A city on the hill that cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Because Jesus isn't just a light, he is the light. And when you come to the light, it changes you, it transforms you. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians says this, For you were once darkness, but now you're in the light of the Lord. Live as children of the light. I want you to notice he didn't say you were in darkness. He said you are the darkness. He said without Jesus, you are the darkness, the implications that are absolutely amazing, it means this, that God knows that you're darkness. And without him, that you are right there, a part of it. You see, we like to think of ourselves as like, oh, I just got there in the wrong place at the wrong time. I got around, my, uh, around some people that I shouldn't have been. I did some stuff I shouldn't have done, but God knows that my heart is good. No, God says, you didn't fool me for a second. You're part of the darkness. Without me, you are darkness. But to those same people, he said that if you would just step into the light, 
the moment that you walk away from the darkness, you don't just get a little brighter, you become the light. And it is that light that absolutely transforms you. You take that light in, like the prophet Jeremiah said, of the fire. He said, I got a fire shut up in my bones. There's just something that happens inside of me because when you step away from the darkness and you walk into the light, something absolutely transforms inside of you and you become something differently. It's like this candle. As I light this candle, the truth is, it's dark in this room, but not right there. Right here in this space, there is no darkness because the darkness pushes back the light. You see this? All in this room, there might be darkness, but there is no darkness in this place. Because this light has power to transform you. And when I take this light, in just a minute, we're going to light candles everywhere. You can go ahead and get that candle in your hand. And we're going to light them together. But I want you to think about this light as a symbol. That this light right here represents Jesus. And as we take in this light, it has the power to transform us to push back the darkness and allow no darkness to come as a result of taking this light together today. In just a moment, we're going to pass this along. And I want you to take this as a symbol that says, I'm not going to be the same as the world. I'm not going to keep doing the things that I've done, but instead I choose to be different. I choose to take the light of Jesus and allow it to transform me. Why don't you stand with me to your feet? As we worship together today, take this light and allow it to be transformational.